Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you that your grace is abounding towards us in, in the midst of darkness and despair. There is a light and a hope that is so refreshing in the midst of words that strip us of strength your words renew our strength we pray Father God that your words this morning would be a lamp unto our feet a light unto our path that they would be a double edged sword sharp and divide between the soul and the spirit that you bring us into relevance of our day to be able to stand up in the end times and be a reference to our generation of the things that you want to perform. We pray that your word not return void, that it would be the good seed planted in good hearts that would give forth good fruit. Father, that we might be all that you desire us to be as we please you, as we serve you, as we know you. And don't let this seed return void. Let it accomplish the work that you desire for it to do. We bless all those that are present and all those that see us through live streaming, Lord. We pray, Father God, that they also would be captured through your spirit to fulfill your desire upon the earth, Lord. Prosper your word in the hearts of your people today and allow this to be a good seed that brings forth a great harvest for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. We are talking about um, the disparity of these two groups in 2 Corinthians chapter 2.16, one that is the stench of death to others and the other the aroma of life um, and, and how horrible that um, there would be the mediocrity of in between where half a stench of death and half a stench of life um, where we're not, the, we're not the substance of everything compounded. Um, as we were having breakfast with these men up in Nashville, uh, out of 20 men that were gathered at that breakfast, 16 of the men were like, uh, God's grace uh, is sufficient for me every time I fall into pornography. My daughters hate my guts. My children don't want to speak to me. I've been a Christian since I was 20, and now they're 60, and they've never been able to um, move in the grace of God to abound towards uh, a reflection of not the grace for the sinner, but the grace that brings you to be a different people. A grace that allows you to pursue excellence. And excellent uh, is the measure of God for his people. Um, he says that throughout the scriptures. Um, there's always been since the beginning, if we see uh, Acts chapter 5 as the church is rising up, there's some people there that are uh, lying to the Holy Spirit. Verse 3, Acts 5, 3, we see a husband and a wife team. Um, why has Satan filled your heart? And you begin to lie to the Holy Spirit. You begin to compromise your call and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself. Um, the, the, this is while people say, man, we want to go back to the days when the church first started, when everything was pristine, when everything was sold out. No, there was always, there was always people that compromised in their calling for God. And so here is that first example 
uh, early in the primitive church. And, and, and there's nothing uglier in the church than people that are reserved and holding back from the Holy Spirit the things that God has given them to give to God. And, and so uh, as we talk about these people, and people are always taken back by this couple and how halfway uh, they, they were giving 50% of their uh, provisions to God, but keeping back 50% of what belonged to God, what was vowed to God. And, and we have that condition today. And, and all that does is produce death. We know that both the husband and wife on this particular incident, they both died. And whenever you're giving God half, you're going to cripple and die. You're not going to sustain yourself. Uh, God wants full surrender. And as you, as you hear this and the Holy Spirit uh, gives you conviction that, that God paid the full price for your life in the death of Jesus Christ. He didn't pay, he didn't, it wasn't just a half discounted price. He paid the full right price for you to entirely to belong to him. And as we contemplate these things, we know that even since the beginning of time, there have been Christians who say, should I stay or should I go? Um, should, I, should I commit? Should I not commit? Um, the lack of uh, decision I want to take you to that place where you understand that judgment is nothing other than a decision that comes down from a place of authority. So in your life, as you ask God to give you the stamina of conviction, of, of making a, a sold-out decision for Jesus Christ, it'll be the only decision you'll never regret. I'll tell you that right now. The full measure that you give to Jesus is a full measure of return of glory. And, and he never intended it to be discounted. Um, in Acts chapter 8, verse 9, we have another disciple. We have Simon the magician. Um, and he wants to negotiate. He wants to purchase. How much is it going to cost me to have this power of the Holy Spirit? And he wants to uh, put his money if he gets something out of it. And not put his money if he's not getting into it. And, and the, the measure of the disciples that were leading the troops at that moment um, is very stark uh, contrast of saying, let you and your negotiating commerce perish. That you thought that there was some benefit to be uh, garnered or, or received at the expense of knowing God. And so there is a huge uh, declaration um, when he tells them those words, he says, let your money perish with you because he wanted to buy and sell. Um, look at what verse 13 says, Acts 8, 13. This magician, Simon himself, also believed. So some people in modern Christianity think that if I just believe in Jesus Christ, I'm doing great. Well, no, you're not just doing great just because you believe because that's the beginning of your journey in the things of God, that you believe is great. But, but he believed and was baptized. Some of you have believed and still are not baptized. Still have not made a decision to be real for God. And you're postponing. Um, and he continued with the disciples with Philip and was amazed seeing the miracles and signs that were done. He was a spectator of the move of God. Again, people wanting to go back to the primitive church and says, we want to be real like the primitive church. It's as real today as it was in that time. If you're lying to the Holy Spirit at the beginning and you're lying now, it's the same difference. 
if you're negotiating and compromising and commercing with, it says in verse, uh, it says there after he was baptized, it says that, that verse 18, as he saw that the apostles laid the hands, the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money. How can I, how can I be a part of this transaction? How could I get this on a commercial basis? How can I bring the world concept of doing God in the church and, and find self-interest and benefit? And so he said these words, verse 19, give me this power. I want to live this life that anyone who I lay my hands might receive the spirit, might receive the provisions of God. And so there it is uh, in verse 20. That comes the, the judgment of God. This is where we become the stench of death to many. Your money perish with you. This is not a human earthly concept. You're bringing it into the kingdom of God. It's not like you think. It's not like you're bartering because you thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money. You thought that this was in the natural realm. So let your money perish with you. In verse 21, you have no part in what God is doing. Your heart is not right in the sight of God. And I, I really believe that this is a heart issue. Everything that we're not being able to come to is because there's something that's not aligned with the Spirit of God. And so that's what we need to pursue. God, let my heart be pure before you. Let me be able to walk in a manner that I can partake of these things, not conniving, not manipulating, not using human wisdom. He says like this in verse 22, repent. Try, try to curtail and bring your heart back of this, your wickedness, and pray maybe God, uh, perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiving you. Maybe, maybe God aligns you with what he wants to do upon the earth in this day and age as an authentic genuine Christian, that your life in Christ would not be a front or an appearance. And so there it is, verse 23, he says, for I perceive that you're in bitterness. You've brought that thing from the world and you are in the bound of iniquity. You're doing your own thing even in the ways of God. And, and so there, there's a lot of that going on of people that come out of the world, they believe, they're baptized, but they're still bound by iniquity. They're doing whatever they want, however they want, wherever they want. They're not part of a team. They're not part of a body. They're not part of a move of God. They're just doing their own thing. And so he answers appropriately in verse 24. And, and Simon said to Peter, he says, pray to the Lord for me that none of these things which you have spoken may come upon me. I don't want to be disconnected from the purpose of God. I don't want to be part of people that are not moving with God in these times. That's my prayer. Um, we, we have a lot of opportunity to do many Christian things. We have a lot of opportunity to, to say we believe in God and we know God and then we're not, we're not walking in the spirit, we're walking in the flesh. And, and that's the distinction of our time. Uh, Jude chapter 1, uh, verse 15. This is what I pray in the coming days would be more and more narrow in your walk. 
more narrow and narrow in the way you proceed. Let me look this up real quick. As the Bible foretells the coming of people that will be upon the earth. And it says like this. Let's go to the Jude 15 there. The coming time. Let's go to 14 real quick. It says, behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his saints. This is a prophetic word of the times that would come upon the earth of thousands upon thousands of believers. And, and what a believer does when, when, when they walk with God in verse 15, it says, they come to execute judgment on all. There, there is no purpose for the church's existence if we're not able to discern what belongs to God and what doesn't belong to God. And so a lot of people says, don't judge lest you be judged. Well, these thousands upon thousands of people that will walk with God in the last days are those that will execute judgment on all. What does it mean? That they will draw the line between what pleases God and what doesn't please God. And if you're not part of those people, you're not light. Because that what, that's what light does. It distinguishes between right and wrong. When, when you turn off the light, I don't know what's going on, but you turn on the light, you says, that's not an exit door. That's an entry door. That's not a one-way. Uh, you're not supposed to go down that street. It's a one-way path. To be able to have clear judgment, clarity of decision-making. Uh, I, I tell men all the time in these conferences across the world, wherever we go to share uh, the men's conference, that the worst day in the life of a child is when he looks into the face of his father and the father goes, I don't know. I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? You're, you're the source of knowing. Your absence of knowledge and clarity and light is a curse to your children. And then the worst, the first bad answer is, I don't know. The second worst answer is, go ask your mom. Go ask your mom. Putting the weight of responsibility on your wife so you could blame her later when things occur. And so that becomes a curse also. But in the house of God, <clears throat> the ways of the Lord is those who have the capacity. Let's put that verse back up there and please don't take it down till we tell you. Um, the executing of judgment on everyone. That does not mean condemning people. You're going to hell. See, that's not your judgment to call. But to be able to tell them you're, what you're doing doesn't please God, that's a judgment. Your decision is wrong, that's a judgment. What you're feeling is wrong. Uh, this, is, this is strong upon the thousands of those that will follow God to convict all who are ungodly. To be able to bring conviction that what's going on is not from the Lord. Lord, give me the capacity to discern, to connect, not to distort, not to disconnect, not to distance others from you. I want to be able to execute decisions on everyone. A conviction for all the ungodly. 
What's going on today is that the ungodly have set where the lines of distinction are. We call celebrity and popularity that which is to be followed. I, I don't know how much... Um, a pit bull concert cost, a ticket to go to see a vulgar, twisted, poor excuse for a man. Is a man is supposed to stand up and to bless the nations and not curse them. And here, to be able to execute judgment on all, is that from the Lord, yes or no? Is, is that what pleases God, yes or no? To convict all who are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds. And so um, we, we clarify that we're not, this is not a calling to being a Pharisee, to being a legalist, to being uh, someone who has an appearance of godliness but is not walking in righteousness. Um, these men who make decisions to bring conviction on ungodly of all their ungodly ways which they have committed in an ungodly manner and of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against God. These, these have to bring clarity in these days with, with huge amounts of grace. There's a lot of people, well, there's no grace in what's going on there. Yes, there is grace. There is grace in what's going on there when a people rise up to be able to, look at all the things, execute judgment on all. That means never withhold judgment on someone who needs it because it's going to be the direction to the path of life it's going to give a conviction of all the things they don't even realize what they're doing is wrong in their god ungodly deeds in an ungodly manner yesterday we walked into a store in nashville and 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 two young men were wearing dresses and high heels and they were going about as women and and i was like i could barely bear you know the sentiments of of nauseousness, are these are the men that I want for my daughter? Are these the men that we want to raise up in our nation as the men that will they'll rise up for God with an, without the ability to make decisions, without personal conviction of ungodliness, things that are not right, patterns that are not right, speaking in a manner which is ungodly. Uh, we sat down for breakfast yesterday and two young girls were sitting right next to us. They must have been 19 and 20 years old. They just started college and one girl for 45 minutes straight was trying to get the other girl into a sorority. And she says, oh, there's no problem. And the other girl was a Christian girl. She had a Christian background, Christian parents. She goes, but you know, so I want to be a part of the people that pray. And, and the other girl says, yeah, we pray right before we go into rush week. Right before we go into debauchery, we pray. And we're all members of a church, and you have to believe in God. But the things are so mixed and mangled in our day. There's such a lack of clarity. I felt like going over there and saying, run, Forrest, run. <laughs> run. Because it's in every conversation. Who's talking to your children? Let me ask you a question. Who do you allow to talk through the phones that you pay to your children? Who do you allow to social media with your children? And so the church has become totally diminished in their capacity of being who they've been called to be. 45 minutes, this girl was nonstop enticing and, uh, and, and recruiting and trying to make her, her semblance of the sorority at the university seem attractive, a debauchery trying to make it attractive 
wooing her in. And I could just say, this, this is where all the news media comes in. Listen, listen to, this, to this DNA of world-changing people in the last days, executing judgment on everyone who comes their path. Being the standard of God in every gathering you have. And, and you know something? Again, as we were talking to David Kern, who's doing the movie for us on what is a man. We had dinner with him last night or the night before, the night before. And he says, Joaquin, when I gather around with my filmmakers that are Christians, their appetite for Christian conversation is about 15 minutes. And then they want to go talk about Star Wars. They want to go talk about Steven Spielberg. They don't have an appetite for God. I said, David, you were with us for two weeks in Cuba. When did we stop talking about God? In two weeks' time, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and in between, it was all the time, all the time, all the time, executing judgment, convicting all of ungodliness, of their ungodly deeds, which they committed in ungodly ways, and calling sinners against their harsh things that they talk about God. Verse 16, it continues on and says, those who walk in ungodliness, just in case you don't know who they are, are the people who complain and grumble, murmurers, walking according to their own lusts. The distinction of people that are walking outside of the grace of God is they're walking in their own agenda. Their mouths swell with great words, flattering people to gain advantage, to sway people's hearts in their conversation. Verse 17, but beloved, remember the words of the Lord Jesus Christ that were spoken before the apostles of our Lord. Remember the clarity, the conviction, the manner in which men of God moved. Verse 18, how they told you that there would be mockers in the last times who would walk according to their own ungodly lust. The great population that we're up against in our time are people walking against God and people walking towards God. Either you love Jesus Christ passionately or you don't. There's no middle stream. There's no middle ground for us that are, that are walking and desiring the things of God. For us that, that desire to move with God, we're not complaining we're not walking in murmuring. We're not walking in speaking things that are large. In verse 19, it says, these separate you. These sensual people separate themselves having not the spirit of God. They're walking based on feelings. They're, they're walking based on sentiment. They cause a separation. What God was telling us last week on Wednesday is that there is a separation. And we didn't cause this separation. Our seriousness causes the separation. Because either you're walking in the spirit of God or you have a sentiment of mockery. Cynical. As we see young girls in our church waiting on God, I'm a blessed man knowing that God will fulfill his glorious promises. That one who waits upon the Lord, the Bible says, will not be ashamed. But there's all manner of other people that are compromising. They're sensual. They're walking on their feelings. Who cause division. They separate because they're not walking by the spirit of God. A vision, uh, the, the version I have up here, it says they separate themselves. They distance themselves. They disconnect because they're not walking in the spirit. What's the spirit telling us um, 
in, in the grace of God, it says that, that we, let's go to Titus 2, 11. The Bible says that the grace of God that has appeared when you ask, okay, pastor, you're talking about judgment, you're talking about these things, where's the grace of God? Here's the grace of God. The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared before all men, verse 12, teaching us to deny, teaching us to walk away from things that are ungodly and teaching us to stay away from worldly desires, lust, so that we live a balanced life in righteousness, in godliness, in this present age. The distinction, the contrast. There, there is no muddling of these matters. And the more we make a difference the more we separate ourselves to be people part of the Spirit of God. Verse 12, let's go back to Jude 1.20. This grace that teaches us to deny ungodliness and worldly desire, but we being built up in this faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Verse 21, keeping yourselves in God's love, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. He says there's going to be, uh, verse 22, and of some have compassion that will make a distinction and on others save them with fear, pulling them out of fire, hating even the garments spotted by the flesh. The, these, these all speaks of, of matters and, and, and for what it's worth, we, we have not been thoroughly uh, accomplished in this Paul tells Timothy, a young man who's striving to keep the ways of the Lord, in 2 Timothy 2.1, he says, Therefore, my son, be strong. Let the grace of God be stronger in your life than in the lust. 2.1. 2 Timothy 2.1. Be strong in the grace. Make the distinction clear. You're not to conform. You're not to, you know, well, it depends it depends. The stronger we are in the Lord, that defines us. And as he's saying that this defines us, he said, pass down. In this grace that you're to be strong in, verse 2, he says, pass down the things which you have seen and heard. Those things that, that you see in our life, make these things the ones that you pass down to faithful people who will be able to be an example to others. This is supposed to be you receive the decision-making conviction and, and clarity and you're able to pass that down so the next generation is able to draw and, and know and, and sustain themselves in the substance of tangible character of the Spirit of God. And what, do, what are these things? I want to tell you verse 3 says things that you suffer, things that hurt to carry. You must suffer. You must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Join with me in suffering. Join with me in the hardship it is to live like this. Uh, a couple of the guys that were at that breakfast uh, uh, yesterday morning, the day before, uh, the day before, they, they were saying that they grew up in the Amish. You guys don't know who the Amish are, the Puritans. And they said, we suffered so much how they forced upon us the staying away from the world as they imposed upon us 
the directives of the righteous words of God. <clears throat> we had a, a meeting about five years ago and they called all the pastor's sons and obviously my children are pastor's children and they, they took all the pastor's son in the room and they said, okay, now we're all together and alone. Now tell us how horrible it is to be a pastor's son. How you've suffered. And my kids turned around and they looked at each other. They're like, what is Chloe? This is like a self-help therapy for abused pastor's sons. <laughs> the most exciting thing that's ever happened to my children is our call into ministry. That their parents love Jesus Christ and serve him all out and passionately and 24-7 and 7-24. And so they, it was very difficult for them to hear these words. So now I, I translate to this. We're going to gather. If you're an electrician or a plumber, if you're a mortgage broker, with we'll take all your kids. Tell me how bad it's been that your dad does landscaping. <laughs> how horrible it is how he comes home all sweaty. His fingernails are all dirty and he's worked all day landscaping. How traumatized are you about that? We would do this for no other sector of people. So the devil has flipped things on their head, making us feel that being people who judge righteousness and walk in conviction and slice the pie and bring clarity to confusion, that we are the stench. No, we're not. We're the blessing. Amen. We're the light of the world. How horrible it is for when you, a man goes to his father and says, I want clarity about a girl that I'm seeing or about a business decision or about something in my life that concerns my life for him to have an answer according to the word of God because he's in prayer and he fellowships with the spirit of God. And so what, what a horrible existence. What a horrible existence for some people to have the trauma of being in the kingdom of God where there is no confusion where there is no hardship in these matters concerning uh, lust, the serving of self. Somebody was, was saying, there was a quote, it says, don't ever think that, that living for yourself is an easy thing because self is the worst taskmaster. Self will enslave you. I was thinking about Robin Williams this week as, as he was, he, he arose when I was around 12 or 13 years old and he was the clown. Mork and Mindy came into the show and he was silly and foolish and he would sit backwards and he would do everything twisted. And for us that were young and rebellious, we thought that was attractive and good. Well, years later, he would hang himself. He would, he would move in the despair and death and destruction of suicide. So we don't see the beginning of a matter. We see the end of it. And that's why the cross of Christ is so thoroughly healthy for our lives. To deny what we want, when we want it, how we want it, where we want it. That's the message of the gospel. The message of the gospel is carry your cross daily. Deny yourself and follow me. Amen. And that, while it is a, um, a pronouncement and decree of death to the flesh, it's life in the spirit. To be carnally minded is death. To be spiritually minded is life and peace. And it says, the, join with me in enduring these things like a soldier. So if you're suffering, that's a good sign in the Lord. Verse 4, refrain from entangling. Don't entangle yourself with the affairs of this life. Get fashion out. Grab your fashion model magazines. Grab the, 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 the theaters 
All these things that entangle your carnal effect to these matters. If your kid is in a school and 40 people are playing Pokemon Go, it looks attractive to go chasing demons. Somebody would say, well, I was, I was playing at a spring of life to see if there was any demons here, any Pokemon here at church. Found one back in the kitchen. How horrible. That they've caused us to meddle in the affairs of those that are walking in iniquity. A soldier, a soldier suffers. He doesn't entangle himself. He keeps himself away from the affairs of this life. What for? To please him who called him. To please God. We're not doing it for the church. We're not doing it for religion. We're not doing it for imposition. This is man who gave his life on the cross... We owe a debt of gratitude to please him, to serve him. Verse 5, he says not only to suffer, to not entangle, to contend. That word compete is to contend, to fight, to fight, to suffer, to refrain. Verse 6, as a hardworking farmer. Some of us don't like hard work. Guess what? The gospel is hard work. It produces a harvest, but it's hard work to partake in the crops like a farmer. Verse 10, he says, therefore, I suffer all these things. I endure all these things for the sake of the elect, that they also might obtain salvation. I do that for a purpose. If I don't do it, then who's going to do it? If we don't do it, who's going to move in this? Look what it says in verse 11. For uh, this is a faithful saying, if we are dead, if we've died with him, we'll live with him. It's not died physically, it's died in the aspect of everything else you do in life. Is there a death growing all the greater in your life? Yes or no? Are you doing away with your life that he might live? With your priorities that his priorities might be given. So death is a part of Christianity, so we might live with him. Verse 12, it says... If we suffer, so death and suffering are a component of the righteous. You don't, it says in the last days they won't endure the gospel. So they'll mount up teachers to hear them say soft things. Oh, this is a vacation time. Christianity is a, we're sailing on to heaven. No, we're on a battleship. We're fighting the battles of the Lord. Souls are going to hell every day. Our indifference, our apathy our disconnect, our distancing ourselves to this life of death, of suffering. We shall reign with him. If we deny him, if we don't walk like suffering and death and, and not being entangled, he will also deny us. We're not part of the team. And then he talks about those people that, verse 17, they're like cancer in the body of Christ. Their message will spread like cancer. There's two guys here that are speaking something different. See, the, 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 the danger here is that these two guys are not smoking cigarettes. They're not going to the pool tables. They're not gambling. They're distorted Christians. They're teaching a different message in the midst of the body. They're not teaching about suffering. They're not teaching about hard work. They're not teaching about passion of denying self and denying worldly lust and desire. Hymenius and Philetus 
are of this kind. Verse 18, what is this kind? They have erred concerning truth. They missed the mark. They said the resurrection is already past, so we don't have to die. They overthrow the faith of some. They distort, they disfigure. The enemy is within those that are not living passionately in the spirit of God. So what is the start for those that are going to take God serious? Verse 19, those who have a solid foundation are have the seal of God. They know, the Lord knows those that belong to him. It's let everyone who belongs and names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. On one side we have iniquity, the other side we have lust. The, the, the lust leads you into a life away from God. The spirit of the Lord leads you to deny self. To deny every semblance of, of carnal Christianity. It says, let those who call upon the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. Uh, I want to tell you what iniquity is because it's a weird word. We don't use it in modern times. Is doing things that God would not want you to do. Last night, my, my daughter sends me a, a picture of herself with an app that distorts her face. And she says, Dad, I miss you. I'm at home. And her face is all sad and distorted. I said, daughter... I've told you many times that the distortion of your countenance is from Satan. That it seems funny in the world we live in and the apps that we use, but when you distort and disfigure your countenance, that's straight from the pit of hell. And so this world has created all sorts of apps. And then my wife shows me somebody whose face comes out like a puppy dog and the tongue comes out and another one dressed in pink and they're all manners of distortion to who we are as God's people, conforming to the waves of iniquity of this world. And we can't say no to it. We can't say the spirit of the Lord, this is not led by the spirit of God. This is not denying myself. This is not keeping me my, myself back from making a difference. In this, last week we were talking about women who have blue hair. And I had, in the middle of my sermon, I had a shot of saying that came through, and this is true, that came through Bart Simpson's mom. And I didn't even say anything last week, but it came, as I said that, that thought came to mind. I, I wasn't sure. I thought it was maybe orange or purple or God knows what. I got, went home and I looked up Bart Simpson and sure enough, their mom with a big blue, big blue hair. And so you'll walk through the malls today and you'll see many women with blue hair, something God never intended. And it's the distortion and the waves and the tsunamis of iniquity to not conform to saying no, to not deny self. And then since we don't have older women to rebuke these young women, we don't have older women to draw a line, that which presents themselves to God as vessels that will be used. Watch what we say here in verse 20. In a great house, there's many vessels. Do we want to be vessels of gold and silver or wood and clay, some for honor, some for dishonor? How are we walking? What's the distinction? I would like to believe that everyone that comes to the spring of life has separated themselves to be a vessel of honor. That we've, we've, the devil has used us far enough in things that don't honor God. So now we live the rest of our lives for a capacity to set ourselves aside 
The foundation of the Lord is clear. Those who know them, let them separate from iniquity. Let them depart from these things that are corrupting the earth. It's all manner of stuff. I, I can't even mention them all, and I tend not to. In the past, we've talked about the, the essence of the things of God. When they, when they talk about finding a legitimate currency, they don't study the counterfeit. We don't study counterfeit here. We make the real thing. The real thing subverts the wrong thing. So there it is, a vessel of honor, a vessel of dishonor. Are we going to be offering ourselves to God to be used mightily by God? Or are we going to be part of dishonor? In verse 21, it tells you how you become one or the other. If anyone cleanses himself, separates himself from the latter things, from dishonor, he will be a vessel for honor. He will be separated and useful for the master. Prepared for every good work. You'll be an instrument of God for this generation. How many agree with me we don't need any more clowns? Amen. So if what you're doing belongs in a circus, then separate yourself from these things. Amen. Tell yourself, I'm not a clown. I'm not going to use my life. And this is what's going on with all the tattoos and earrings. They're using their bodies to continue the throw of fashion, of the temporary, because we're bored out of our wits. But if we're vessels of honor, let him cleanse himself. Listen to me. I don't see cleanse himself as the work of the Holy Spirit or the, the, the work of the cross. Cleanse himself means you. You make a decision every day if you're going to be in the hand of God or you're not going to be in the hand of God. You're going to be a man of God or a, a, a silly existence. You decide where you take your family. What mission trip? What, who do you surround yourself with? It's the same investment. It's just greater glory. So what's it say? Verse 22, how do we prepare ourselves for every good work and separate ourselves? Flee youthful lust. Quit acting like you were in middle school. Quit acting like you're in eighth grade and you have nothing better to do, so you're going to dye your hair 50 colors. Present yourself as something dignified. How? Pursuing righteousness. Deepening your faith. Walking in love, peace with those who call upon the Lord with a pure heart. There's, there's a fellowship that's different. What's the opposite of this? Verse 23, the foolish and unlearned, the ignorant. Well, God sees the heart. Yeah, God sees the heart. And God knows the heart. And Jeremiah 17, 9 says the heart is desperately wicked and deceitful. Who will know it? Quit walking in your own mindset. Who could know the heart? It's deceitful. Don't walk according to sentiment. God prefers obedience than sacrifice. Verse 24, the servant of the Lord must not strive, must not be contentious, argumentative, but gentle towards all men, able to be an example of patience, meekness. Verse 25, in meekness, instructing those who oppose. If God, perhaps like Simon might grant them repentance, verse 25. Might, maybe, maybe after today, we're, we have a little bit more clarity. Maybe after today, we have a little bit more of insight. Let's put that up there. Yeah, it is. In humility, correcting those who are in opposition. If God perhaps will grant them repentance, then they might turn so that they might know the truth. Those that don't, the Bible says in verse 26, they'll be taken by the devil's trap. So they might come to their senses and escape the trap of the devil who wants to take them captive to do his will. 
So so when you depart in iniquity, you depart in disobedience, you distance yourself, you end up doing the devil's will. You end up doing what the devil wants instead of what God wants. And, and so the church is here so that we could stand strong as a people of God, making distinction and clarity in our day. In Romans chapter 16, verse 17, the New Testament, it sounded like an Old Testament word, but it's not. We're so far from the grace of God, we think that we're in the law. We're not. We're in grace. And in grace, he says, I urge you, brethren, mark those who are causing division and offensive contrary to the doctrine which you have learned, avoid them. Mark them and keep away from them. Stay away from people that don't want to be what God has called us to be. The, 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 the being filled with the passionate love for Jesus Christ is to bring clarity in every conversation, in every gathering. Some people say, well, we're not in church now. Quit preaching to me. There was a one time, we won't forget Suleika. She was in youth group and she go, we go bowling. And so in that moment we go bowling, she, her, you know, girls go to the bathroom together, right? Oh, well, I'm going to the bathroom, want to come with me? So they go to the bathroom and the girl tells her in the bathroom, do me a favor, stop talking to me about Jesus. She's a Christian girl, a Christian youth group. They're both single and they go to the restroom and the girl says, do me a favor, Suleika, stop talking to me about Jesus. And Suleika says, you know something? I don't think we'll be hanging out together anymore because that's all I talk about. And that's why Suleika's here and that other girl is toast, twisted, serving Satan, destroying her family. Contrary. You know why the Bible says that these people... They can't get it together, verse 18, because they don't belong to Jesus Christ. Those who are such do not serve our Lord. They serve themselves with smooth words, flattering speech, deceiving the hearts of the simple. As we grow as a church, we need to be strong in God's grace. And the grace of God is to be radical and to be able not to be legalistic with mental uh, with meekness and gentleness. Be able to say this is where the line goes. It doesn't move. It's going to cause you to suffer. It's hardship. It's work. It's difficult. The kingdom of God suffers violence and only the valiant take it by force. You've got to be bold and serious in the last days and make a distinction and be the contrast. Be the contrast. Don't smooth in to be conformed to this world. Let's stand this morning. Uh, uh, as we continue to raise up in these last days, I, I want you to align yourself with the Spirit of God, that you not lie to the Holy Spirit, that you not commerce and, and make convenient and discount. How many, how many discount the Word of God because you want to accommodate people? You're doing them a disservice. I tried to go all around Europe to try. I figured that um, there was, we were invited to Switzerland, and they told me that uh, the Rolex factory was in Switzerland. So we figured if it's the Rolex factory is in Switzerland and I wanted a Rolex back then, I said, let's go there and they're going to give us a discount. How many think that they discount Rolex? <laughs> you got to pay the price, my friend. You could get a Bolex. <laughs> you could get the imitation. How many God redeemed with the blood of Jesus? Amen. And we're not discounted. And we don't discount the gospel. And we don't walk giving Christ less than what he paid for. And so be bold and be strong because this world needs it. And, and we must walk in this seriousness. There is grace, but the grace of God empowers us to suffer, to endure, to work, to, 
to live for Jesus. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you that in the time of darkness and despair, there is light and hope through the grace of the gospel of Jesus Christ, a grace that comes to bring and execute judgment, which is decision between those things that please God and those things that don't, that bring clarity to godliness and not confusion, that brings an assurance of fellowship, and we don't fellowship with works of darkness. We don't fellowship with those who are in the lust of iniquity. We do not conform to this world, but we're being transformed by the renewing of our mind. The Bible says that as we behold him, we are renewed from glory to glory, to the image of the Son, for this is what we were predestined for from the beginning. And I pray that your grace would be sufficient towards us, that we not compromise, that we not lie to the Holy Spirit, that we not commerce in the house of God, but that we pay the full price because the immensity of your grace has been so extravagant and lavish that it deserves us to press forward. In Jesus' name we pray. And the house of God says amen, amen, and amen.